Hey guys, welcome back to the Hey Mom, Why Did No One Tell Me podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today on this Monday. And today I wanted to share a masterclass that I did during my free five-day challenge a couple weeks ago. And this one is all about sort of money mindset and, you know, how we as artists and creative professionals need to reframe the way we think about money and, you know, in relationship to ourselves, in relationship to, you know, the world. And I know it takes a lot of work to do that. Um, I'm definitely still working on it as well. But I was super excited to do this particular masterclass because I felt like, you know, once we really start thinking about it, that's when we really pick it apart and we understand that money is a tool and a resource. And we figure out how we can um, reshape the way we think about money and not thinking about it as, oh, a scarcity mindset, but an abundance mindset. So guys, thank you so much for um, tuning in and I hope you enjoy um, the recording of the masterclass. I'm super excited for today because we're gonna be tackling one of the biggest things that I feel like we as creatives, we as artists might come up against. Something that I've definitely come up against like as I've pursued my creative career and just in my everyday life too. And that is sort of money and money mindset um, and really getting over it like as a creative. When I say getting over it as far as like money mindset is concerned, I mean like getting over those limiting money beliefs that we have heard that we think are true but are really not true and that we just need to get rid of like get rid of so my thoughts on money are definitely i guess i would say they're really i guess not complicated but not super like cut and dry either um so as an actor growing up and saying like, hey, I want to be an actor, I want to be an actor. Um, the thing that always popped up was, and I know I mentioned this probably earlier in the week, um, the thing that always popped up was, oh, but how are you ever going to make any money as an actor? And I think when you're young, like when you're a kid and you say you want to be an actor, that's not something that you really consider. And also, I don't think adults really tell, like, a 10-year-old, like, what are you going to do? Um, as far as, like, how are you going to make any money when you're, like, 10 and you say you want to be an actor? But then you get to 14, and then you get to 16, and you get to 18, and you're applying to colleges. And it's always, oh, you, so you want to be, like, an actor, you want to be a dancer, you want to be an artist, you want to be a photographer. How are you going to make any money? Or sometimes it comes out as, oh, so you can totally do this thing and, you know, that's great and all if that's what you want to do, but you have to be okay with not making a lot of money. And most people I've talked to have heard one or the other in some way, shape, or form. And that really didn't shape my whole idea with money. Um, as I grew up, but it definitely had a profound impact on it when I sort of decided, hey, I'm going to go be an actor, I'm going to go be an artist. And, you know, that was just something that was always not hanging over my head, but something that I had in the back of my mind, something that I had to really 
something that I was aware of, but not something that I thought would impact me as much as it did. So I think that money is a tool. Um, most recently I've heard that money is a resource and I really like that, that money is a resource. And we can't continue to look at it as there's only so much money in the world or I can only make so much money and that's it. We, we can't look at it that way. So when I think of it and I'm like, okay, I have these thoughts that I have or I had about being an artist and making money and I need to sort of get out of that, right? I need to create some new thoughts. So the phrases that I've always heard, artists don't make money, you'll be living paycheck to paycheck the rest of your life, you're wasting money um, if you want to like invest in classes or something like that. Um, and those are all things that really come from ignorance, I feel. Just if you, if you really think about it and look at it, people who are actors, people who are writers, who are photographers, who do this full time, they make a really good living. And I think a lot of people just assume that no one wants to pay their artists, wants to pay their writers, wants to, wants to pay their photographers. And yes, in the beginning, I feel like you do run into a lot of, hey, like I'm gonna do this for exposure or um, something I recently come to really have strong opinions about is like when I'm looking through casting calls and um, it's never pay you an exposure, like that's what it used to be or I'll offer you like great exposure. What it is now is um, no pay, meals, and IMDb credit. And if you aren't familiar, IMDb is like the internet movie database. It's not really like the end all be all or anything, but you know, people go on there. It's like, it's a database, right? It's, it's for informational purposes. And I think it's ridiculous that people will ask artists or, you know, actors, um, graphic designers to work for free. Like, I think that's ridiculous. And I think a lot of people when they're starting out, I think that is, that is sort of what happens, right? It's like you want material to have something to present to the world. So you take what you can, or you want to learn what the audition process is like, or you want to learn what it's like to be on a set. So you see the first thing that comes across your screen and you're like, yes, I'll do that. I'll do that because you want to be eager and you want to show the world that you have something to offer. And I think that's amazing. And I think that it's that um, passion and it's that want and that need to learn and that desire to take action and just like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know. It's going to come to me later, but it's like you're, you want to be a self-starter. And so you take the first thing you can get. And a lot of times, just because of how it is, maybe they're just unprofessional productions you end up on. And it doesn't have to be that way when you're just starting out. It really doesn't. I would say that um, sometimes it's almost like the, like when you're starting out, like in any industry, like if we look at the corporate world, which is what a lot of people are used to, it's like, oh, get an internship and like work for free and just like learn the business. And I think a lot of people assume that with um, creating 
and doing art. It's like, I need to get exposure. I need to get out there. Yes, you do, but that does not mean you do it at the expense of not being properly compensated. And something that um, actually happened yesterday, one of my friends on Facebook, she is a graphic designer and she, um, she had posted something and basically the gist of it was that she had a client who asked her to do something on a very tight deadline. Now I'm not, I don't know much about graphic designing and what goes into it. She's really good at what she does. Like that's what she does, right? Um, so, I mean, I don't really know what goes into it, but it sounds, it sounded really frustrating that someone asked her to do a project on a very, very tight schedule with very little to no pay. And she does acknowledge in that post that she doesn't normally accept like such low, like she doesn't accept low rates like that normally. And it was just like, it was like someone who was also starting out her, her, um, her business and she wanted to help them. So that's why she offered a lower rate. And then because it was just like so jumbled, um, it was very like, like the work was like quality work, but it wasn't necessarily what the client had asked for. And then rather the client work on the, the project with, with the graphic, um, the graphic design artist, she just sent her like a really nasty email and it was, there was like a lot of stuff in there. I really don't understand. I didn't really understand because that's not the world I live in, but it just was like, it was one of those things where it was like, well, no, she provided you a service. That's something you need to be, you need to properly compensate her for. And I think that's where a lot of people who are artists start. It's that, um, there are people out there in the world that don't want to compensate artists in the way that need they need to be compensated. And you would never find that in like the corporate world. You just, you never would. So I don't, I'm, like it's, it's always been like mind boggling to me that like we don't accept it in that world. And that like, if someone doesn't pay you in the corporate world, then you know, you're, you're gonna do something about it. You're gonna get sued and like, that's not okay. But like in the creative world, a lot of people just assume that they can pay artists in exposure or um, like I said before, IMDB credit. So I think that's where a lot of this comes from, that people just sort of assume that artists don't make money because everyone starts off um, like sort of when they're starting off in the beginning, it's like you just sort of stumble and muddle your way through trying to find what you can find and then you'll like um, figure some stuff out and then like readjust along the way. But I think that's where a lot of this comes from that artists don't make money because either they, like they see stuff like that. So that is something that I definitely know we need to get out of, right? We need to get out of it because artists do make money. They really do. Bottom line. And we see that every day because we see that these celebrities who act in films, they make what, $50 million a year, $100 million a year. It's, it's ridiculous. So the lie that we keep hearing that maybe we subconsciously believe is that 
actors, artists, writers, we don't make, we can't make money. We, we, we just can't. That's not true. It's not true. And we need to get out of that thinking that it is. And, um, that's not to say it doesn't come without struggles because I, I really do think that when you're going after what you want, like you're going to, like we talked about yesterday there, you're going to hit roadblocks and like, that's okay. That is so, so okay. But you can still do what you love, like what you want to be creatively fulfilled by and still get paid for it. And just because you're hitting those struggles in the beginning doesn't mean that you're not going to get there someday. Um, so I listened to um, a couple podcasts and one of them is How I Built This. It's an NPR podcast. It's hosted by Guy Raz, Guy Raz. Um, I can't remember for sure, but I was listening to an episode um, last December and he interviewed the founder of uh, the skincare company, uh, Tatcha. And um, if you're not familiar with Tatcha, they're, um, they're one of like the really big brands to bring like Asian beauty into like the US market. And so um, they interviewed the founder, her name is Vicky Sai. And they were like, oh, so like, how do you, like the whole premise around how I built this is to just interview these CEOs of like really successful companies and just like hear what, like what they went through, that it wasn't just like, you know, an upward, like upward growth. It was, you know, like with anything, it's just, you know, this whole weird up and down graph. And so, um, they interviewed her and she was like, yeah, I was, um, I was working and I was making a lot of money, but then some things happened and I think what, and she, oh gosh, it was a while ago since I listened to this, but what happened was that she wanted, she like had this like thing with her skin and, um, it was like really sensitive and she ended up finding, um, this one product from Japan. And it was like the only product that like worked for her skin and what she was looking for. And they were blotting papers. And so, um, blotting papers are for people who have like sort of more of an oily skin and I, I have, um, oily skin. So this is why I know so much about them. Um, but it's like, you can put the papers on your forehead or like, you know, in your T-zone, whatever is like considered like the most oily and it lifts off the oils without removing like makeup or anything. So I think they're pretty neat. And this was back in like the early 2000s, like before, um, it was like before like the, the recession in 2008. And she said that, you know, she found these blotting papers and, um, she was actually in New York city on nine 11. And she said that entire moment just like changed her life. And she's like, I can't just be like in this job where I like just do the same things every day and every day. So she ended up, you know, on this really long journey and eventually she built this company after she went to like Harvard business school. Then she moved out to San Francisco, took a job at a startup, um, ended up like moving somewhere else. She had like rent on two places. She said at one point she was like $800,000 in debt and she was still working on Tatcha and then through more struggles and everything. Um, and then eventually, you know, things started going her way and, 
now she she had her business and she was able to um, she was able to sell it and she still remains on and like works on it um, but what really stuck out to me was that even though she sold her business and she's still very much active in it when um, when the pandemic um, hit last last March in that time um, she was like yeah, if I hadn't have sold my company, I didn't have like that backing behind me. I don't know if I would have been able to keep this company running. And we were able to pull all of our people out of the field, say, stay home. You still have your job. And that story really stuck out to me because that's that that's what money can buy you. Not, you know, fancy cars, fancy houses, like it can buy you that, but that's what stuck out to me. The fact that her company was making enough money and, you know, this, this parent umbrella company she was now part of, they were making enough money that they were able to take care of these people and pull them out of their jobs and tell them, stay at home. It's not like safe to go anywhere right now, but don't worry, you still have your job. I think that's one of the most incredible things people can do with money. So a couple things here. The fact that, you know, the fact that she went from like hundreds of thousand dollars in debt to being able to sell this company, I think she sold it for, I don't, I want to say it was like, a oh, I don't know. I might be making these numbers up. I thought it was maybe in the billions, but that could have been another episode I watch or listen to. But she sold it for a lot of money. That's what I'm trying to say. And it just kind of proves that two things, two things. One, you can make money being creative, doing what you love, doing, working for yourself, selling your own products, selling your own services. And like, that was the first thing it showed me. And the second thing is like, money is not bad, right? Money is not bad, evil. That's another thing that um, I know people have come across like money is evil or, you know, money brings nothing but misery. Um, that's not true. Money can buy you, well, not buy you, but what money can give you is money can give you the ability to take care of those people around you and be like, don't worry about it. I know you're stressed. Don't worry about it. And that was that was just so so powerful to me. It's the bit like money can do more than what we think it can do. And something um, I don't know where I heard this, but someone once said, or I read somewhere, that money is neither good nor evil. It is neutral. It's what we choose to do with that money and how we choose to perceive it. So. It's like, it sounds weird that like to say money is neutral, but it, it kind of is. Back to the whole money is a resource thing. Money is, money is good for things that you say they're good for. And if you want to believe or think that money brings nothing but hardships and people fight over money and that's all that money ever does is it's tear pe it tears people apart, that's what you can choose to believe. But money in and of itself is neutral. Like, it's a piece of paper. Well, 
I mean, it's a piece of paper, but now I feel like it's all like electronic. So like I would say a lot of the times we don't even physically like touch our money. So it's, it's just this thing, right? It's a thing. It's not good. It's not bad. It's a resource. It helps you. It helps you accomplish the things that you want to do. And when you think of it that way, it's a lot less, I guess like the negative cloud surrounding money just kind of goes away. Like money helps you do what you want to do. Like you want to buy a house, then money is going to help you do that. You want to go back to school, money is going to help you do that. You want to go travel the world, not that we're traveling right now, but money can help you do that. Money is a resource that you use to do the things you want to do. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to do things, wanting to do fun things. So a lot of times people think, oh, but if I have a lot of money and I'm doing a lot of these things, then that makes me a bad person because like only really bad people like ever have that much money and like all this and all that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sometimes people who do have a lot of money do not so fantastic things with it, but then there are all the people that do really good things with money too. Like think of all of like the philanthropists out there, the, um, the billionaires who have set up um, like charities and who make regular donations to all of these like companies and nonprofits, well not companies, but like um, all of these nonprofits and all of these places that really need the help. And you know, when you have the means to do so, you can absolutely support the people and the things that you want to support. And I think, you know, that's, that's something really cool. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to have money to be able to support the things that you want to support. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to have enough money to live a comfortable lifestyle, more than enough money to live whatever lifestyle that you want to live. There's nothing wrong with wanting that. And another thing that I think is really good about money is that money can buy back your time. Like, it's, it's crazy to think about, but the first time I heard, oh, well, money can buy back your time, I was like, what do you mean money can buy back my time? And then I sort of was, um, I was talking to some people and they were like, oh yeah, like I'm using um, Instacart to get my groceries delivered. And personally, um, not that I have anything against Instacart, but given that I don't really go a lot of places now, I very much look forward to going to the grocery store um, to get my food and to just like get out of my house. So that's sort of where I'm at with that. <laughs> um, but they were like, no, like I work, um, you know, I work a lot and I want to spend more time doing the things I want to do. So I just like order Instacart on like on my app and then it shows up at my door like two hours later and I don't have to go anywhere. And I will say the thought of not having to, like if you don't want to go out and go somewhere, like we've all had that experience where it's like we have to go and go do something and we don't really want to go do it, but we have to go do it. Um, back before um, everything was going on and I just kind of was like running around crazy in the beginning of um, the year last year, uh, I was like going to the grocery store was always like, oh, where am I gonna fit it in? But then 
if I, well, I didn't even know about Instacart back then, but if I had, then I would have considered, oh, well, it might be a little bit easier for me to just like order my groceries on the app. And then when I get home after a long day, I don't have to worry about it. So I was like, oh, okay, that's like what they mean by buying my time back. I'm not trying to like play Tetris with my schedule. And I feel like if my life were still like that and I was still just like running around all over the place, um, I'd probably do Instacart, but I just sort of pretty much stay here and don't go anywhere, which is why I like to go out and spend that time doing that. Um, but yeah, money can give you your time back or maybe you're a parent and you want to spend more time with your kids. You can pay someone to mow the lawn, pay someone to clean the gutters, pay someone to um, clean your house, pay someone to, get, to bring you groceries. I can only imagine what it must be like, like if you're a parent and you have like a bunch of like young children and you have to go to the grocery store with them. I can only imagine like the kind of challenge that is. Because <laughs> um, I know when I was a kid and I went to the grocery store with my mom, I saw something really cool and I'd be like, mom, mom, can we get this? And she just wants to get through the store. Like she just wants to get through the store. <laughs> um, so yeah, money can eliminate that whole like, mom, can I get this? Mom, can I get that? <laughs> Um, and a quote that I really like that talks sort of about this concept is that money is far more common than time. When, um, when one reflects, one perceives that money is just about the commonest thing out there. And that was said by Arnold Bennett. Um, and I thought it was really interesting to think of it that way because we always think we have all this time, right? Like, oh, I, I'll do this tomorrow or I can do that later or let me just like find like some time like on my weekend and I'll just like do that thing that I don't want to do. Um, and that really, like doing things that you don't want to do, like once that time passes, it you can't get it back. Like money you can get back. There's, a, there's money in the world. Like I know sometimes it's really hard to think that there's a bunch of money in the world, but you know, you look at what's, especially with what's been going on the past 10 months and yeah, there's like definitely stuff going on in the world, but I think it was something like, like Jeff Bezos who owns Amazon, like his, like his net worth increased like by a hundred million dollars or something like that. Like Elon Musk, um, the, the founder of Tesla, like surpassed Jeff Bezos as the richest man in the world. Like, and that's during, you know, global economic upheaval, right? And well, I feel like it's like mellowed out a little bit, but it's like, that's the, that's the thing. There is money in the world. Like I can only imagine how much money the toilet paper companies were making back in March. Like back when no one could find toilet paper, I can only imagine the money they were making. And that's, that coincided with the same time that everything was just being flipped on, like flipped on its head. So like money is out there. Money is there. Your time is a lot more precious than money because money, you spend it, you can get more of it. Time, you spend it, 
You can't get that back. So with that sort of same vein of thinking, what, or think of how your life could change if you were making the salary you wanted to make. So choose a number that, you know, just sort of makes sense to you. Um, maybe it's $500,000, maybe it's $60,000, whatever like sort of resonates with you. Think of how having that money, that goal that you want to have, that you want to be making, like what would you do if you had that money, if you had an abundance of funds, right? I would tell you what I would do if I had just a whole extra bunch of money sitting around. I would donate to um, different charities that I've seen to save the arts. Like that's something I'm really passionate about, saving the arts. Like even before, even before everything. Um, the arts, in my opinion, always sort of like got the brunt of everything. So I was always a huge advocate for the arts. I was always huge on, you know, funding for the arts. So that's what, that's something that could you, that you could do. You could save the arts, save our stages. That was the huge campaign going around to save live performance venues, like theater venues, um, concert venues, because that's what was, like they were taking a really big hit, like a lot of other industries. They just... They just needed help and I'm sure you can think of someone or some industry or something that you really care about that needs help and how amazing would that be if you could go help them like how incredible would that be if you know there if there was like a locally owned restaurant and I've seen this happen so many times um, since the start of the pandemic but these locally owned restaurants and, you know, they've been around for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And then you're scrolling through Facebook and then you see a long post and you never know the long, like when you see a long post on Facebook, you never know. It's like gonna, it's like most of the time it's not good. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've like been just, you know, going about my time and a comp, like a, a small business has, you know, they're just like, I can't, I can't keep up with it. Like it's, it's not like, it's not possible. Our expenses are exceeding our income. This is not sustainable. But wouldn't it be incredible if you knew that this company or this business needed help? And a lot of times what I'm also seeing is that they're putting out, um, GoFundMes, um, campaigns like that to raise money. How incredible would that be and how awesome would that feel if you could read that story and they're asking, you know, X amount of money and you could be like, oh yeah, no, I have that here. Let me donate to you. That is honestly one of my dreams. Like anytime I see a GoFundMe and I'm like sort of reading through it, the people who say like anonymous and they donate like $300 or like, you know, even more than that, I've seen more than that. I'm just like, what's it like 
what's it like to be able to do that? You know, I want to be able to do that. So money is a tool, right? We need to start reframing our thinking about that and around money. Money is a tool. Money is a tool. Let's start thinking of it like that. It's not good. It's not bad. It's neutral. It's a tool. Think of it. It's kind of like a hammer, right? A hammer can help you do things and it can build things and it can take things apart, but you're never going to look at a hammer and be like, oh, this hammer is bad. This hammer is good. Like you're never going to say that about the hammer. Like it does its job. So that's what makes a good hammer, makes it a good hammer. Or if it doesn't do its job, that makes it a bad hammer. Money's the same way. If it does its job, then you've used it for something good. If it doesn't do its job, then it's been used for something not as great. So I think once we start reframing our thoughts around money and its relation to like creative um, careers, creative paths, creative professions, that's when we start believing and we start sort of thinking at this, you know, next level. We see like what's beyond that like limiting belief at the top there. And once we start doing that, like once you reframe your thoughts and reframe your thinking and you start believing that you can't, literally anything is possible. Like the sky is the limit at this point. And once we start believing that it's possible, we start believing that we can do what we want to do and make a living off of being creative and doing something that makes us super happy, right? That lights up like that creative spark inside us. And something that I really love about the community of artists that I am in and I'm around is that they're just so encouraging. It's never, oh, well, maybe you shouldn't do that because that seems hard or, oh, maybe the, maybe you should rethink that because I don't know if that's actually going to work. It's none of that. They're the most encouraging, I don't want to say, what's another word, another descriptive word, but they're, they're so encouraging and they're just like, they make you want to go after what you want to do. And because they believe in you so much, it's like, well, I have to at least try. Like I have to, I, I can't, like they believe that I can do this. So I need to like, just at least try it. And there's a, there's like, um, I think it's like scientifically proven that the top, like the five people you're most around are the people who have like the greatest influences on your life. And I think that's 100% true. And when I'm surrounded by those people who are artists, who are creative, who are really going after what they want and not just like in the art artist creative community, but even in like business, like when you surround your people or when you surround yourself with people who want to do what you also want to do and they're doing it and they're not like, they're not just saying, Oh, I really want to do this, but I can't do it. And X, Y, and Z is why not. It's the same thing like across the board like in your life, in your career, like the top five people that you were around will have the greatest influence on you, positive or negative. And I know this because I've experienced the positive side with um, the art, uh, the acting community here in um, the DC area. 
And I've also experienced it on the opposite side. And so an example of this is in my own personal life. Um, I, the people around you have such a profound influence on your life. And I think that can even be traced back to like growing up, right? Like if you grew up in a household where you were encouraged to go after your dreams and that you could, you know, do what you wanted to do. And that if you like put in the hard work to do things, then that's what you like you believed, right? But if you grew up in an environment where maybe money like was bad or you had to have like there are some people who are ahead in the world and that's how it's always going to be and no one can ever change like their position like if you grew up with something like that especially like like as you're growing up i feel like that like what you experience in those years has a really profound effect on you for the rest of your life um and in just like my personal life, my personal experiences um, surrounding money, surrounding being creative, surrounding having enough money. Um, uh, there was someone I, or there is someone I know, and um, they are very hardworking. They are very sure of, you know, sort of what they're doing. And I think, I think part of it comes from the fact that they have, they have debt. Um, it sounds from what I understand, a, a lot of debt, which, you know, is a whole other conversation we can have. I think it's student loan debt. Um, so a whole, whole other conversation, like other opinions I have on that, but I won't get too, I won't get into that. Um, but when I was like talking to them, it was a lot of, I don't have any money. I, I, I'm, I, I'm broke all the time. Like I need more hours at work. Like I don't get paid enough. And I noticed the more I was around that, not that I started saying those things, but the more I felt like it was similar. Like I wasn't, you know, um, I like didn't have enough money to do things. I didn't have enough this. I didn't have enough that. When looking at it objectively, that wasn't like my situation and their situation were like on, they were like very different, very different situations. But because I was around someone who was like, had all these really negative things to say about money and just a very negative outlook on their finances, they just sort of like played the victim card and they didn't want to get out of it. And I was like, well, okay, I, I get, you know, some situations are just a bit more unfortunate than others, but I think that sitting there and saying, you know, I'm broke all the time, I don't have enough money to do this, or um, I'm never going to have enough money to pay off my student loans or something like that. Being around that kind of negati negativity well, first of all, I'm trying to like not have be, have that in my life as much. Um, but it's like, even if you're like this super, you know, like money isn't something that really you maybe like think about on a day to day. But when you're around that negative, like talk on a day to day basis, it's like it, it just sort of like trickles and like seeps into the rest of like your own thoughts, whether you realize it or not. 
And so that's why the people that you surround yourself with are so important. And that's why the people you need to surround yourself with are the people who believe in you and the people who are helping you and the people that, you know, push you to be your absolute best, whatever that's in. And that's why I love being around people who are creating right now, um, even though we all have to do it online. And that's not what theater is. <laughs> theater is very much in-person and interaction and that connection with the audience. But we can't do that right now. So we're, you know, we're pivoting and we're st I'm still surrounding myself with that artistic, um, with that artistic community. And there's something like super powerful when you surround yourself with the people who are doing what you want to do and who believe in you. There, there really is something, it's like the energy and the momentum. It's like once you get it, it just keeps going and you can't stop. You might want to stop, you can't stop. It's not going to stop. So that's, you know, once I was around that whole, oh, I can't do this, oh, I can't do that because of money or because I don't believe, uh, all that, all that mumbo jumbo that, you know, people still you know, experience. People still, you know, like try and bust through those limiting beliefs. And it's not like every day you wake up, it's going to be, oh, like today's like so awesome. Like some days you wake up and you're just like, like some days you just don't feel that. Like this morning I woke up and I was like, huh, I like, I was thinking about all the projects I was working on. I was like, is this something I can really even do? Like, is this actually feasible for me? And then you know, as my day went on, it, um, like my mind sort of like stopped thinking that. I think it was just like one of those things that like I hadn't gotten enough sleep and I was like just, my mind was, was racing and everything. But, you know, that aside, it's like when you overall start believing that you could do things that you wanted to do, you could be creative, you could be an actor, you could be a sculptor, you could be a painter, and make money and start living that life that you wanted, then that is like, it just opens up so many new possibilities and it opens up like so much higher levels of thinking. And that's something that, um, you know, I think we all need and that's something that I think we all do. And that's exactly what we do in my program, Imagine Create Do. We come together and we just talk and we, um, we are encouraging each other and we're really surrounding ourselves and believing that we can do this. Like we can be creatives. You can absolutely be an actor in New York City. And that's the big one, right? New York City is so expensive and it really is expensive. I've looked into prices there. It's very expensive. But yeah, if you wanna go be an actor in New York City, then, well, I obviously think that like you need to have some sort of plan and just like packing up your bags, and, like, you know, going up to the city. It's not the, the, it's not the smartest plan, but I truly believe that if that's something you want to do, if you want to be an actor in New York, you want to be an actor in Los Angeles, you want Chicago's a really big one for um, new works and um, improv. A lot of really famous improv troops have come out of Chicago. Um, that's something you can absolutely do when you surround yourself with the people that believe that you can do it and hurt and are doing it themselves that is it and 
you know, that's sort of what we're doing um, every day. And, you know, when we're doing that every day and we're surrounding ourselves with those people, then it's like you almost can't lose. Like, you really can't. And, you know, that's my goal with this program is to bring more artists into the world, to get more artists to share their gifts and to make the world just a better place. The world is so much better with art in it. Like, I think we all can agree that as far as like, you know, getting through, you know, the situation that we are currently in without art, without, you know, someone to create these like Netflix or Hulu shows, without that, we would all just be like out of our minds crazy. And then you'd probably, you could say, oh, but we have books. Yeah, we do have books. Guess what? Someone wrote those books. Someone wrote those stories. Harry Potter did not just come out of, you know, thin air. Someone had to have had that creativity and that imagination and write it down. And someone had to have done it. And I truly believe that it is one of my goals to just bring more of that onto this planet and more of it into the world. And when I got that specific thing that I had to work on or that specific thing that I did really well, that's what made me feel confident in that job. And that's what having specifics and having this like roadmap is going to do. It's going to help you really, really hone in on what you need in order to create, in order to get your creative passion, creative spark to get what you need and get you where you want to go, which is making money with that creative thing that you love to do that you cannot shake. You guys, I absolutely loved doing that masterclass during the five-day challenge. I don't know, like something about, I love personal finance and I just love, you know, um, that whole sort of realm. So it was super fun to talk about, especially encouraging and telling other creatives that they can absolutely make money doing what they love, and it's 100% possible. Come back on Thursday for another episode of the podcast, and until then, have a good week.